hello. This is the house on Valencia Street, and I'll be your host. I use explicit language, and topics of conversation will include ghosts, the paranormal, psychic ability, fun, banter, um, let's see, comedy, spirit, incest, rape, domestic violence, being beaten into the hospital, nearly dying, um, having several people in your neighborhood just being fine with it, everybody's just fine with it, and seeing a police officer turn his back and walk away third or fourth time when you're a four or five year old kid. Yeah, I get to talk about some of that here, along with everything else, see, because, uh, well, we get to talk about this here. Um, let's see, what else do we talk about here? <clears throat> uh, foster care, emancipation, uh, willful education, therapy, recovery, 12-step, Buddhism, agnosticism, atheism, philosophy, sometimes physics, not that often though, I'm a little rusty, although there's a new character this week that mm, rustled up a little bit of talk about physics, which we might get into later, but anyway, more so, <clears throat> the easier components, they'll be first. Uh, let's see what else. <laughs> Matters of spirit uh, and today, discernment. Today the focus is going to be discernment. And how do you know whether or not your intuition is real? Or how do you know if it's just some kind of fearful projection or transference? Discernment, huh? Hmm. How about that? Um, here at the house on Valencia Street, we talk about things that people don't get to talk about much just because of uh, societal judgments and shaming and the like. So um, uh, I, this is a place to talk about it. Uh, the house on Valencia Street is a house that comes, it's in my hometown of Walla Walla, Washington. It's a place I spent several years growing up from being a child to growing into early puberty. And the house was extremely haunted. Uh, there were four daughters, three of us saw ghosts there, and uh, in the last couple months, uh, me and another sister have compared our notes on the ghosts, and we never talked about it. Uh, well, we talked about it some, but not the details, see, and we actually sat, did some text exchanges talking about, I saw it in this room, I saw this, this is what happened, and we had the same room with a similar experience with a similar entity, and we had not in 50 years or 40 years, sat down and had compared notes, see. Um, when you're swimming in a, a family like this, uh, sometimes connection is love and sometimes connection is pain. It's too overwhelming. So you have to kind of uh, court it a little bit. Um, let's see, what else? Uh, here at the house on Valencia Street, it's not going to be somebody who hasn't been raped telling me how to talk about being raped. Um, I'm putting a fence around the house and saying this is a place that we get to talk about it and within normal boundaries or what boundaries we agree upon. With consenting adults, everybody over 18, if it's legal, laissez-faire motherfucker. I mean, do what you're going to do. <laughs> or father fucker. Oh, nor parent fucker. <laughs> One of those things. Um, I'll pause for a second. Um, <clears throat> uh one of the pieces of work I did with my inner child work and my inner adult work or my inner parent work, which uh, one organization that helps you with that is uh, Adult Children of Alcoholics. That's a 12-step group that really cultivates an inner child and an inner parent. And there's other mechanisms too to do the same thing. Uh, but 
there's all kinds of ways you can kind of celebrate the fact that did you have a daddy? Did you not have a daddy? Did your daddy abandon you or did he rape your sister or give your sister gonorrhea or whatever? Well, that happened in my family. And so what is a daddy? You know, because there were several men after that. Well, my my mama was trying to figure it out. My mama's named Darlene, by the way. And a big part of this is homage to my mama. So, um, but when you're damaged and you're told your entire life with this intergenerational abuse that you deserve this, um, and this is how it is, and this is all you know, getting out of it is really hard, you know. And I'll quote um, Wallace Jeffs from um, Keep Sweet, Pray in a Bay. That was on Netflix in the last couple of weeks. Uh, but Warren Jeffs is quoted and they videotape him saying, similar, I'm paraphrasing, um, when you're born into this, it's all you know. And that's what you think is right because that's what they tell you is right. And you don't know anything different till you get away from it. Okay. You don't know anything different till you get out of it. And getting away from it's the hard part. Getting away from them is the hard part. Quote. So that's Wallace Jeffs. Uh, off of, uh, and he's a brother of Warren Jeffs, who was the monster of, of many monsters in that little clusterfuck of whatever the fuck that was uh, over there. So, um, and also there was joy and love and beauty and all kinds of people with intelligence and hearts and loves there. I don't mean to just categorize it just the one thing, using my discernment as it were. So, uh, let's see what else. Um, this program is made possible through the support of appreciative listeners. And so if you appreciate this and want to help support it, you can go to anchor.fm forward slash MOMA, M-O-H-M-A-H. There's a support button there. Uh, you can give five bucks a month, 10 bucks a month. Um, there's going to be other options for a donation probably in the future, or maybe it's just going to be like that. Hard to say. <laughs> right now, what I can do is show up once a week and do this. That's about what I can give you. So we'll see what else happens along the way. And quite frankly, do you know how freeing it is not worrying about the fact that I don't have a bunch of sponsors, that I don't have a bunch of people sitting there going, I'm, I'm your Patreon. You got to, you know, keep it in line, girl. Um, there's a freedom in going, I don't, I'm just going to produce this. I'm going to throw it out there and see what the hell happens because there's knowledge here. And boy, it sure feels good producing this, especially because I get to talk about my ancestors and spending time with my ancestors in a mindful place brings me so much love and joy. So thanks for coming along for the ride. I appreciate that. All right, let's see what else we got to do. Oh, if mental health stuff is kicking up for you, uh, you need to talk to a professional most likely or go to support group or get some support that way. Uh, Please talk to a board certified licensed therapist or psychotherapist, psychologist, what have you. Uh, That is not me. Uh, This is one case study, one case story, one person's perspective. Um, Yeah, I've had 10 years of therapy. Yeah, I've done 20, 30 years in 12-step. Yeah, I've been a group representative for one of those groups. Okay, you know, another service work. But, you know, uh, everybody needs somebody to kind of, everybody needs somebody. Okay, I don't want to pay a copyright infringement on that one. Uh, I'm thinking of Dean Martin now. Uh, So, uh, yeah, everybody needs a little perspective check sometimes, right? So, um, please take your discernment. Use your discernment, okay? Use your discernment and figure it out and ask for help when you can. Um, And sometimes you just got to say, I can't deal with it. I got to go take a nap. And that's my self-care right now. Sometimes that's what happens, right? So, okay. Is there anything else I got to get out of the way with the header? Uh, Let's see. We got that. Get Get you to a therapist if things are kicking up. Um, hey, maybe you're poor. Maybe you don't got money for a therapist. Well, there's 12-step groups. Uh, there are um, 
support groups online and especially with zoom and and the new pandemic world uh there's all kinds of options for uh, face-to-face or teleconference to teleconference or zoom to zoom uh, uh, support groups personally one thing i do uh, there's a there's two different support groups i'll listen to or dial in on and sometimes i don't want to talk sometimes i just want to listen so sometimes if i need to connect but i'm doing that thing where as an abuse survivor and an incest and rape survivor, I'll sit beside you or I'll be next to you, but directly interacting sometimes is hard, you know, so uh, I have to feel comfortable. It takes a little while, right? So sometimes I'll go to these phone meetings and I'll just sit there and listen. And it feels so validating to hear other people who may have been foster kids, who may have been abuse victims, who may have been in the perfect family with the perfect cookie cutter house and the perfect smiles on their faces and the right clothes. And boy, it's just as fucked up as the poor people. How about that? (laughs) Oh, I mean, if you go ahead and, you know, there's all kinds of fictional, um, is it uh, succession? Is that the one that's so popular these days? Um, I've only got one streaming. I only can afford one streaming um, service. And this week it was uh, Netflix and it was uh, Stranger Things. Anybody else out there? Um, I was waiting on that, waiting on that. And uh, when it gets into the really violent, gross stuff, I'll I'll fast forward. But I want to get to the character development, right? That's what I'm interested in. These people, I want to hang out with these people because that was when I was in high school. That was when I was in... um, junior high. That was when I was in grade school, you know. So it's really exciting. And actually, right around the time that they're placing Stranger Things is right around the time I was living in Valencia Street House. I was, you know, in this, just like them, going from childhood into puberty, right? You know, so um, it's, uh, it rings a lot of memories, especially running up that hill by Kate Bush, because that song is timeless. And um, there's a part in the middle of running up that hill the song Kate Bush, which has been number one again and downloads and thank, you know what, that, she can have as much success as she can have. I, I love that person. I want Kate Bush to be celebrated and everybody know her. And it's so strange because her music is so personal to me, yet everybody knows it. <laughs> Isn't it funny how you can sit there and go, this is my personal little thing. I was riding on a bus in Walla Walla, Washington with a headman and a walk, or walk, headman, a walkman, a walk woman, because I was a woman walking. Um, in between bus stops. Uh, actually, I was a girl at the time, but I was listening to Running Up That Hill and the French one, my sister, who gave me the tarot cards that I read with, um, she's the one who gave me a copy of Kate Bush's Running Up That Hill and Kate Bush's uh, Hounds of Love album, which I mean, <laughs> Hounds of Love is like, oh, I could just sit there and sing those songs because I've been singing those songs for three decades, you know, and I, they're memorized and they're part of my flesh and my bone. If you want to hear something, I didn't mean to go off on Kate Bush. I have a whole bunch of crap here to get through. But um, the video of Cloud Busting, which is a song on Hounds of Love, has Donald Sutherland in it. And it portrays an actual story of a man who developed this technology that could create clouds or uh, break up clouds or I can't remember exactly what the device did, but it was, it could create a thunderstorm or a lightning storm, or it could diffuse one and stop the storm. And this guy had kids or a daughter at least, or no, it was a son. And they just, the government showed up and picked him up and took him away. And he never came, he never came back. He was killed. Well, actually, was he killed? Yeah. He never saw, he never got to work on these things again. And he was taken away. And the video documents, 
you know, Kate Bush being the son and being the child bonding to her father, because we don't really have a lot of examples where that's portrayed in a way of technical sharing and knowledge, you know. So she portrays a young boy in Cloud Busting the Video, and it's a real piece of art. I highly recommend Cloud Busting the Video with Donald Sutherland and Kate Bush, which is a song that's off of Hounds of Love, which is the same album that has Running Up That Hill. Um, that's another one of those albums. Back in the day, <clears throat> many times they would orchestrate albums like that so that there were pieces of art. You know, they were chapters and they had to be listened to in the right order. Another example I'll offer of that is Sarah McLaughlin's uh, Fumbling Towards Ecstasy album. Um, I was friends with and ended up dating someone who worked with Network uh, Publishing, which is the a company out of Vancouver, BC that publishes Sarah McLaughlin's work. Uh, and that's N-E-T-T-W-E-R-K, right? So um, anyway, uh, yeah, the Fumbling Towards Ecstasy album is the same thing where it's phrased. So when you take the favorite songs out of the gist, it changes the flavor, kind of like changing the flavor of a book. You know what I mean? And have you ever done that where you put together a playlist of your favorite songs like Lizzo or what have you, you put them all together, but they don't quite work as well as they do when they're phrased and put in the right order on the album? right? Like kind of like they knew what they were doing. Yeah. Like that. So, uh, I'd say maybe my top three albums in the world, uh, Hounds of Love by Kate Bush is one of them. It's, it's just a piece of beautiful art and I love it anyway. Okay. Let's get back to this. I want to get to discernment. So today what I'm bringing you is a little story about discernment and, um, how we can apply some of this. Okay. So, uh, I don't know what your age might be, or if you're in your forties or fifties or what have you, maybe you've gone through menopause. Maybe you haven't. I have, I'm going through it right now. Um, and boy, let me tell you, uh, <laughs> I spent about 40 years. Well, uh, from about 15 to about 50 or so <laughs> having a pretty high sex drive. Uh, I, and also being, having romantic relationship addiction. I believe I inherited that in my family because that's what they taught us to compensate for the abuse and the violence that we were living through. And it's probably a compensation like a codependent enabler because you have to exaggerate the compensation when the other thing is exaggerated, the abuse and the harm, right? You have to figure out how to survive it because you're almost like holding to the center and spinning around the center. And that extreme response is part of it, right? So, uh, Every few months I go to a personal site or two and I check, I have an old personals ad. I, now maybe you can relate to this if you're single or kind of uh, autonomous. And um, there's a kink and BDSM site that I'll go to now and again. And I've had to count on that over 10 years. And part of it is when you have parts of you that, you know, I'm a vanilla person. They, vanilla is what people who are, uh, have standard sexual lives and standard sexual desires. They call them vanilla in the BDSM and kink world. So <clears throat> if you're a person who, um, you know, it's nor pretty normal, but you know, once or twice a month, you want to get dressed up and do something kind of creative, you know, do a little Cirque du Soleil, Cirque du Soleil freak show, you know, on your own. Well, not everybody's into that, right? And so you want to find places where you can talk to other people that might be like you, that might want a monogamous relationship, but every once in a while they want to get dressed up or be suspended by ropes or, you know, flogged on their butt or something like that. You know, not everybody wants to get into that. I don't necessarily want to get into some of that. I love the mental aspects though of dominance and power dynamic as a person who's a rape and incest survivor and as someone who wanted to reclaim power in my body. Another example of that might be, uh, 
you're kind of concerned about friends that you love, if they have extreme physical stuff they're doing, like if they're ultra runners or if they're compulsively working out, um, or if they live in a culture where women are objectified and their identity many times is their appearance and is reinforced by media and gender bias, um, sometimes you'll kind of go inward and you'll focus on what you can do for your own body because you want to be strong or you want to enjoy your body. Uh, so um, you might overcompensate uh, like by taking 20 PE courses for your bachelor's degree, like I did. I took at least 20 PE courses, everything. I was real hungry for shit. Uh, I wanted to know how I could be strong and enjoy my body and get not necessarily praise, but feel seen and heard as I was, you know, um, and that journey is different for everybody, right? So, um, so I was wandering around. I said, okay, you know, I'm a little lonely. I was thinking, you know, every month or two, I'll go to that damn site and see if there's anybody kicking around. Then you log in and because it's kind of an obscure site with a kind of a specific thing of like dominant submission, what have you, you're going to see maybe the same 20 or 30 names in your region because you live, you know, in the Northwest maybe, or you're not in a big, highly populated area. So it gets kind of depressing. You know, you're kind of like thinking, well, you know, I'd like to meet somebody, but if I'm going to meet somebody who, you know, doesn't mind trading roles or trying dom or sub or that type of thing um or role play or dressing up or creative thinking you know uh, doing arabian nights you know just figuring out where it goes improving so you'll go on there and you'll think oh well i'll check it out well um i went on this week and there's a fella that lived in the region of one of my sisters rachel sophia um and i would like to see her now and again but also have some detachment, be able to have a motel room or someplace to go. So my theory was mm, every month or two when I check in on this, I'm going to try to find somebody around that sister so I can go visit her maybe now and again, have a friend or two in the area. So if there's a blow up or something, I can go have a safe place to go. For example, the last time I went and visited Rachel Sophia, <laughs> she nearly died again. And I took a long train trek. I took the Coastal Starlight. I believe it's called the Coastal Starlight on a particular train um, system. And I could smoke cannabis on the way down. <laughs> and I did. Um, but you go outside the non the smoking sections when they take their smoke bricks and you just, you know, get a little vape pen and you could soothe your anxiety like I was doing on the way down there. Well, um, last time I was down there, she was screaming at me and yelling at me sometimes and insulting me so many times that in about five days, I walked 14 miles. <laughs> And what would happen is she'd say something really insulting that was not connected to reality. And, you know, I'd sit there and go, that's not kind and nobody wants to hear that. And I'm unsure how to respond to that. So she'd say something insulting and I go, um, that's disrespectful and I don't like how you're treating me. So I'm going to go for a walk and maybe when I come back, things will be better. So I had to do that like three or four times in about four or five days because she, of the way she processed stuff. And, um, but yeah, I was walking a lot, just like going, uh, you know, trying to figure out how to get, bolster myself up and deal with this person. So I thought, you know, it'd be nice to have someone in the area if I was going to visit, or maybe I could see someone. And many times with Kink or BDSM, you're going to have to pull a geographic travel because you're more obscure, right? So I ended up talking with a fella down in the area, uh, down in the area where my sister lives in the state. And uh, this person had some background in acting and this person had a degree in physics and this person had some things I was kind of thinking about. Um, and we started talking, you know, or at least texting for a while. And 
this is the hard part. If you go to the sites, a lot of times because it says it's kink and BDSM, they think they can just stop talking about their genitals from hello. Now, just even beyond going to a normal dating site. By the time a woman is going to connect with, if she's going to be connecting with a man or a woman, depends on what the connection is, but in this case, it's a man. Um, she's going to have to go through half a dozen or a dozen really gross emails just to see yours, you know? And by the time you get to that, I don't even want to deal with it. I just don't even want to date because there's so many gross people with bad boundaries who are entitled that get on there and just start talking at you because they say, Oh, you're female and you acknowledge you like this thing. Well, here's, here's my, uh, you know, I, I tend to like have a tease and denial and I like to sit there and, um, I like to hold my orgasm and, you know, it's like you're just sitting there going, I am not your therapist. I am not your counselor. It's not my job to do your emotional labor and you're going to exhibit normal boundaries and it's going to be fun and easy for me or I'm not, and when I say easy, ease of use, I'm not going to have boundaries violated. I'm not going to have someone coming at me or talking about orgasms from hello, which this last week when I went in and looked at that, that uh, personal ad site, four men of six men discussed their orgasm with me from hello. And I don't want to know about it. <laughs> Not now. In a month or two, sure. Let me get to know you, right? I'm a monogamous person who needs to take a couple months to get to know you. And if you say I'm a person who does this stuff, and by the way, I'm also on kink and BDSM, it's almost like there's this on and off switch where like 90 out of 100 white men with money, if that's the people that end up coming at you, are going to talk at you and just use you like a projection screen and they're not going to see your humanity, you know? And so, um, it's really hard sometimes to go in there and kind of dig around. Well, I ended up connecting with this person. We started talking and I had strong emotions for a little bit of it because there was all this anticipation and not knowing. And there was this yearning in my heart to connect yet. I, um, I wasn't quite feeling it. It took a couple interactions to figure out we were going to be acquaintances that we weren't really having a heart, connection mostly because this person does this thing where you'll go back and forth but they're just fine sitting there and not necessarily being all that introspective they're just fine not going to a church or not going to a therapist this fellow's in his late 50s and he's never had therapy and his communication shows that right so so you're trying to figure out uh, and sometimes they can apologize but by the time if you got to apologize two or three times before we even talk on the phone uh, too much effort you know it's not my job to raise you right so <laughs> And many times, depending on demographic biases, a lot of times that's what you're going to hit up. So in trying to figure out, you know, this big, tall, good looking man who had some, he had national commercials. He showed me a couple of those. He was hobbying as an actor in this area. And, um, you know, uh, we both were wanting to be comedians. He had performance as a comedian. So we were talking about comedians and the like, and it just was like, there was a little bit of interest, but we weren't really, there wasn't enough there, you know? So I think we have an acquaintance right now. Well, let's talk about discerning that. I want to explore discerning that. So how do you know? How could you find that intuitive path to whether or not this is going to be the right thing by spirit and soul? I tell you to use your discernment now and again. Well, let's get into that. Discernment. What does that mean? Well, originally that word is, comes from the Latin root of discernere. Uh, discern with the ERE at the end of it. Um, the translation of that or the word in Latin for the same meaning is discretionem, disc discretionem. Um, I'm going to pause. I'm going to probably be talking about three different languages in this uh, little pod here with varying degrees of um, phonetic accuracy. <laughs> Thank you for your patience. Um, 
So the original verbiage when it comes to the word discernment is the quality of being able to grasp and comprehend what is obscure. But it is also a power to see what is not evident to the average mind, right? And if you've listened to this pod this far, you know that's a big hobby of man is evaluating discernment. Um, and over half of my pods have notes that say, use your discernment in the notes, because I'm learning as I go the boundaries of this, right? So um, in addition to this, this word and this thing that we talk about discernment or judgment, uh, there's also some other synonyms with that. Discrimination, insight, penetration, perception, sageness. And I'll pause. When I was born, mama said I was born. And she said, as soon as I popped out, she looked at me. She said, I looked like a little sage, a little Buddha sage, you know. And I think my mama was on to something there. Um, so let's see. Sapience. I love the word sapience. That's a beautiful word. Um, but in addition to just that language or verb, um, the gift of discernment is something that is biblically quoted quite a bit. And there's several <clears throat> Christian organizations. For example, if you go do a search on YouTube right now under the gift of discernment, you're going to pull up 20 videos of tall white men with money or uh, representing Christian theologies. And I, I actually just did this and I was looking through there and there's about 20 white men and their fingers were like phallically raised, like pointing, you know, they were, all of them were like raising their hands and pointing at you. And I was like, Oh, this looks like a, I don't, I don't like this. I don't like this angle here. So, um, but let's evaluate what they think gift of discernment is. Right. So in the LDS church, the scriptures talk about discerning of spirits as a gift from spirit. And uh, the main one that all these point back to when it comes to like speaking in tongues and that type of thing in the Christian faith uh, comes down to the first book of Corinthians um, 12, 10, I think it's chapter 12, verse 10. Um, let's see, but I'll get to quoting that, although let's get back to the definition though. In LDS, discernment or the gift of discernment is to understand or know something through power of spirit. Um, perceiving the true character of a person and the source and meaning of spiritual manifestations. Well, that's interesting. It also allows you to detect hidden error and evil in others. Now that's where we get into trouble. <laughs> Once we start judging on people and shaming on people and uh, particular race, gender, and socioeconomic demographic judging people outside of that, like burning witches, hey, 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 like the Salem witch trials, they used some discernment there. And actually the gift of discernment was used in the Salem witch trials to justify murdering these people who were different. Yeah. So uh, let's see. I'm kind of curious. I want to go ahead and quote Corinthians, this uh, gift of discernment in the Bible. And I'm also going to quote Buddha on his gift of discernment angle. So here we are, first book of Corinthians 12, 10. Um, but all of these worketh that one and the self same spirit dividing to each man severally as he will hmm. quote <clears throat> um severally is spelled strangely or not the common way um another mm, paraphrase would be to to another the working of miracles to another the working of prophecy to another the discernment or discerning of spirits to another the interpretation of tongues yeah so in Christian theology, the discernment or the uh, gift of discernment is to judge the influence of various spiritual agents on a person's morality, right? Well, that's kind of curious. Hmm. Now, this has been used to harm a lot of people in the Christian faith, 
right? Um, because who decides whose judgment is safe? Who decides whose judgment is right? Okay. Um, Buddha. Here's a quote from the Buddha on discernment as well. As the mind is unruly, hard to tame, the wise person perfects their mind, as does the craftsman that straightens the arrow shaft. Now that's Buddha, uh, Gautama Buddha, and he lived between 560 and 480 BCE. Okay, we're going back to some very old texts here that I'm talking about. Um, now that particular quote was from the Dharmapada, which is probably the best known, one of the best known writings of Buddha quotes. And it's a conglomeration or an aggregate, uh, just like the Bible, several authors. Um, and that particular book, the Dharmapada, is a collection of sayings from the Buddha. Um, right around the time that he was writing that, Sophocles was writing Antigone, about 441 BC, uh, Greek and Roman times. And the original of the Buddha quote was written in Sanskrit. So Sanskrit language. So here's a couple angles on the gift of discernment. Um, I um, I was struck this week by how powerful this dating thing was when I was talking to this person because there was so much anticipation. I, I've shut off this part of me that's dating just because uh, <clears throat> I tried for so long and my sex drive is different now. It used to be very strong. I sometimes would have a stronger sex drive than my male partners. Um, Yet, um, now that my body is not trying to procreate so much, it gives me so much more room to breathe and grow, you know? So um, how can we evaluate whether or not we're using decent discernment, uh, especially when it comes to a spiritual path? Because I have gotten mixed or conflicting signals sometimes, and it makes me very confused as to how how do I know I'm not just fantasizing and projecting, or this is a nudge from spirit? What does that look like? Well, I'm going to dig around a little bit. I don't know that I have the best answers on that, but I do have a couple of uh, pointers in looking through some of this that might be useful. So why don't we go ahead and listen to this commercial break, and then we'll come back and round out a couple thoughts on how do we find out if it's discernment, if it's the real thing? What does that look like? Hmm. All right, so listen to this, and then we'll listen to that, yeah? Hello again. You're back at the house. Hmm. So how do you know when those intuitive hunches are true? How do you know if you're being spoken to by angel or spirit, or you're just projecting and transferring your own experience or fears, or maybe you live in a body like mine that was raped and beaten? over a period of 15 years before I was strong enough to go to adult and family services as a kid, working as a secretary, being an adult far too quick, far too early, and saying, let's go to a foster home. I prefer that to what I'm living. Um, whether or not my spirit or soul does this or that, my body physically and the cells of my body physically lived through 15 years of that, okay, at least. <clears throat> so that means that doesn't matter what my mind does or my spirit does, there's little cells inside of my body that formed, grew, and adapted over that period of time, which means I formed in that and I am of that, right? I'm also of survival and joy and a really weird mom that I love like the most out of anybody still. <laughs> 
I was meditating this morning, having my little, you know, sitting down with God and going, okay, baby, I'm going to start this day the right way, do my 20 minutes. I've been doing that for several months now. Uh, and it's a simple thing, but a particular um, spiritual mentor or teacher I listened to recommended that and told and shared that it was nine months of doing that before she had this insight, but she had to consistently do that. Um, the process is a bit like dialing in a, a radio knob. If you remember radios <laughs> back in the old days, um, we'd have radios with the radio dial knobs and we'd have to go into the frequency to get, you know, 89.7 locally, 89.7 FM out of Eugene is a local uh, national public broadcasting radio station. I used to listen to heavily these days. I go more for clips or what have you downloaded on online, but um, it's hard to know sometimes whether you're here in spirit or whether you're just in a maelstrom or you're just picking up energy off the stuff around you, especially if you're an intuitive or psychic, right? So today I'm contemplating discernment. I'm not necessarily giving answers to doing it perfect because it's a daily thing for me. But part of that is sitting down for 10 to 15, well, 20 to 30 minutes a day and making it a priority to connect to whatever my spiritual source is and doing that before I do anything else. Um, I've had amazing, I can't even quantify the results I've had to that, the joy I've had to that. It's, it's, it's just so wonderful. Um, so part of my discernment and something I've been using as a tool for 35 years or more is a tarot deck. Um, I have a couple tarot decks, but this week I was using them while I was sifting and sorting through this fellow. Uh, what do I call this fellow? Mm. Potential date number one. I don't know what I call him. <laughs> no, potential date material. Um, yeah, um, I wasn't quite sure where it was going to go. And I think that mm, with my spiritual practice of being present, it really ripens just the being present and not knowing. It really ripens just, I'm excited and I don't know how this is going to turn out. And the only, the biggest spiritual offering I have is my emotional state and my presence. That's the most valuable thing I have. If I can be happy in this moment, or if I could be happy more often than not, then that's a very valuable thing. If you can be happy with what is, you know, what is working for you right now? There are things that are working for you right now. I bet you. So, um, for example, addiction, let's talk about addiction. Um, gambling addiction really worked for me until it didn't. You know, I didn't have to think about my mom so much, or I did think about my mom in a good way for many years, or my own self-centered desires. I can't blame mother for my choices as an adult since she, you know, after she's passed. And a, and a person who's in my age range, she, you know, should be an adult by then too. Yet, um, I went on a tailspin for several years on that uh, after mom passed. And um, it was really difficult to discern because I was in so much anguish and grief, you know. So, um it took a while of doing a pattern differently before I could get out of that addiction. The thing is, gambling addiction really worked. What did gambling addiction give me? I could go sit 18 hours at a place that was kind of like an adult Disneyland, right? I get free food or comp food. I get free play. I get a hundred, you know, 50 bucks of free play on the slot machines. Hey, you know what? <clears throat> there was no clocks around. I didn't have to think about time. I didn't worry about time. I was in this wonderland and there was all these bright sensory inputs of sounds and sights. And, you know, when you'd go at the same times and I'd go Tuesday through Thursday, usually at, at the wee hours when nobody was there because I was socially avoidant, right? And um, there were two or three people that I got to know that worked there. And actually one of them asked me out on a date. 
and then we exchanged a couple phone calls and it was not going to work because he was, uh, how do I say, he would miss our appointments for phone calls. He would sound sloppy or disoriented, you know. Um, and so after he asked me out, <laughs> the, slot, the slot cashier person who gives you your money for your jackpot hand pays and stuff, uh, he asked me out and... Um, I remember trying to figure that out. It just, it wasn't going to happen. Cause I was like, he can't even get the phone call done. You know what I mean? <laughs> so nah, that's not going to work. But, um, gambling really worked for me. And I was listening to a psychologist talking on last day, a podcast about people dying too soon and, and evaluating how you heal after that. Um, he was talking about, you know, addiction really works. It gives you things you need, you know, um, the opioid, epidemic and the heroin epidemic um there's something inside of that chemically that gives you something that's missing it feels like a hug it feels like warmth it feels like excitement and you don't need anybody else to do it you just need a chemical or a location or a process right so sometimes we all have things that really work for us that may or may not uh, be best for us and there's this turning point where and you don't really know where it is you know until you're over the line which is I'm a hobby. I gamble for a hobby. Uh, my mama likes me to take her to the casino and give her a hundred bucks and let her cut loose. And if she wins, she keeps it. And if she loses it, she had a good time and I had enough money to help support her at that time. And so, um, but it was hiding. It was sideways. It was a replacement of something. And that's why I think a lot of times you're going to see elderly people at the casino because there's a lot of excitement and sensation. And when you're at that age range, where are you going to get your, your kick? Where are you going to get that? Oh yeah. You know, it's, it's hard to find that little, Oh baby, this is the gig, right? So, um, addiction really works for you until it doesn't and it can kill you, but usually it's just the tool. They talk about it being like, I'm a gambling addict and I haven't gambled in over 10 years and I had to cut off members of my family because they kept trying to get me to fly to Tahoe or offer me any money, you know, and they wouldn't respect my boundaries on that. So I had to cut them off for a while. Um, Rachel Sophia, that's what she's the one, <laughs> she's one of them. <laughs> um, but I did that and I, it was like, I had to back off on her cause I, it was almost sabotage, you know, might've been subconscious, but it was obvious repeated. And my last two relapses were triggered by Rachel Sophia because she was like, well, fly in down here. Come on, come on, let's go gambling. And I was like, no, I can't. It goes back to loving somebody who, you know, is destructive for you sometimes, or your needs change, right? Or you get to a place where, I don't got a millionaire husband who's got several houses who can afford my any money. You do, right? So, <laughs> but anyway, um, there's reasons that addictions work and there's reasons why people die because of addictions. And most of the time it's more about managing their mental state and their emotional state than it is the physical object. You know what I mean? Whatever the tool is they're using, to quote Annie DeFranco, any tool is a weapon if you hold it, right? So getting back to discernment, um, I want to kind of round out with a third perspective. I've offered you the biblical perspective of discernment, one of them. I've offered you Buddha perspective on discernment. Uh, some, And this last part is the tarot, because I use tarot sometimes for discernment. And mostly I'm going to describe a particular card, because I like this card, and it's a, got a, a lot of heart to it. It's uh, from the writer Waite Smith deck. And um, I'm just going to read you the interpretation of the judgment card, which is a major arcana card. It's key 20. That's the number on it. And here's the interpretation I'm reading from um, Eden Gray, Mastering the Tarot. 
um, the interpretation of this card. And let me describe the card to you before I tell you the meaning, because it's a beautiful card. A group of people rise from their coffins, which are floating on a sea of the subconscious. They are roused by the angel, Gabriel, who blows seven blasts on his trumpet to wake man from his earthly limitations. The cross on his banner is the solar symbol of balance, balanced forces. The, the card is beautiful. It has a huge angel with a trumpet and there's these naked people because they don't have shame. Naked people standing up out of their coffins. And it's this beautiful scene of like all these people rising up like trees and they're on the sea of water. And it's like, you know, children and then men and women, they're all rising up and it's like, we're not judged, we're not shamed, we're naked and we are accepted by God. And there's this huge angelic wingspan and this beautiful man with a trumpet and he's playing this horn with a banner on it. It's this beautiful piece of art. <clears throat> Here's the interpretation of the judgment card. Awakening, renewal, a life well lived, work well done. A change in personal consciousness, which is now on the verge of blending with the universal, spiritual awakening, renewed energy, better health, a quicker mind. Mm. I love that card. Anyway, so um, discernment, use your discernment. What is that? Well, we've talked about three different sort. well, at least three different sources. Uh, this is from more of the... Uh, I don't know if I call it the occult, but more of the um, New Age perspective, the tarot perspective. And I also wanted to share an example of how tarot blends with biblical. Um, there's a lot of biblical references in tarot cards. There's huge amounts. It's like a, there's all these symbols in the tarot cards. And when you're reading from them, for example, I mentioned I was trying to connect with this person. Um, what do I call him? The physicist? Uh the dusty physicist, I'll call him, because he had a normal tech job he's doing right now to pay the bills. But, um, you know, part of him is studying that, you know, and that's one reason I was drawn to him because I was like, he can process at a higher level or he can, he likes to analyze things and I need someone who can do that, but also have a heart, right? Um, but while I was searching and sifting through this because I was so excited, oh, it was nice because he was a good looking man, tall. Um, and one thing that you might have an edge with in kink or BDSM, if you do dom, dominance, uh, sexual dominance, um, I don't always do that. It's just part of me that needs to be able to be present. I want to be a normal vanilla relationship. And then a couple times a month, I want to go, hey, you want to get dressed up? You want to do some role play? How about I put you in an apron and uh, you're naked and I make you do some uh, cleaning around the house. You can scrub the floor. And if you're a good boy, maybe I'll, I'll uh, tr give you a treat. <laughs> A good again everybody's over 18 everybody's consenting and it's legal that's what i'm into anyway so the, just to clarify my boundaries on that so but if it's just playing you know maybe you want to get dressed up in superman costumes maybe you want to get into furries i don't know you know hey why not so um it was really agonizing in a way to talk to this person because i shut that part of me off and i only every once in a while go and sit there and go i want to focus on autonomy and my own strength but I like a hug now and again, and I sure like flowers now and again from somebody else. And, you know, I got friends and this and that, but it's different when it's like a sweetie, you know what I mean? Someone who says, I want to cuddle with you. You're kind of cute, yeah? So, and if you watch Stranger Things this week, it was real nice to see Winona Ryder kissing on, um, is it Shep? What's the guy who's the, 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 um, the sheriff? 
the sheriff guy, the father of 11 in, uh, or one, is it 11 or one? I think she's 11. Yeah. Uh, the father, the person who plays 11 on Stranger Things, the father, uh, the sheriff, the uh, concentration camp, the Russian slavery situation that's in the, the series there. Um, it was a real, a real nice payoff to see those two people kiss after four years watching him on that show. You know what I mean? And Winona Ryder, um, I mentioned Bram Stoker's Dracula in the past and how I had a pretty strong spiritual experience triggered by context and also watching Bram Stoker's Dracula in which I was defending myself physically and knocked somebody over with my head because it was this frat boy that was pushing me physically and I just didn't know what I was doing. I just knocked him over with my head and I was looking at him like, don't fuck with me. And my hands were in my pockets. There was no way I could have touched him. I didn't. And he was just looking at me like, what the fuck just happened? Cause he felt it and I felt it. And then he crawled away. <laughs> oh boy. That was anyway, I digress. So the point being, um, discernment, huh? This week I was so excited thinking, oh my God, can I love somebody? Could, could this maybe work? And also pulling back the reins going, your Buddhist practice and your spiritual practice says to be present and to not expect necessarily things, to not say that you know the outcome, just to enjoy what's here now because that will amplify and bring you more of what you want, right? The law of attraction. Okay, the law of attraction. So um, I'm referring to, uh, God, there's a lot of different people talk about the law of attraction, but you're going to know the secret and you're going to know Abraham Hicks. They discuss that a lot. Abraham Hicks has a book called Ask and It Is Given about the law of attraction. So the point is, what can I do to discipline myself or like hone that arrow shaft, as Buddha says, you know? Well, what I did <laughs> was uh, I prayed about it and I felt this really huge surge. And sometimes my intuition would be like, he's the one, it's the thing. And I'd go, well, I don't know if that's true. Is that coming from spirit or not? I'd get all these mixed signals and it was hard to discern. One thing I did was I spent about a half hour reading tarot cards and the devil came up a couple times. Now the devil as a card, it depends on how you interpret it, but usually that's carnal or physical desires. People that are one dimensional, perhaps manipulative, not honest. Um, also, the Seven of Swords came up a time or two. And I, let me see, not the Five of Swords, the Seven of Swords. Yeah, Five of Swords is hollow victory. Seven of Swords was uh, thievery, somebody stealing something. Yeah. And so that kept coming up with this person. And I was like, oh, you know. So I was trying to evaluate this going, I don't think we're a match. I don't think we're a match. I'm not getting good, loving, you know, cards. I actually saw the Three of Swords in one reading. And the Three of Swords, oh. <laughs> The Three of Swords is a stormy background and it has a heart floating in, in the air with three swords that have been cut and pierced into it, just sticking there. That's the Three of Swords for you. Have a nice day, you know, pay your pay your uh, door person on the way out. You know, that's the, that's the Three of Swords. Ouch. You know, that's not the, you know, you don't want to see that card. There's a couple cards where you go, uh-oh, some shit shaking down. The Tower, the Devil. Uh, three of swords. These are things that's going on. There's some shit going on you don't know about, or we got some conflict, you know, divorce coming up. That's what, you know, these are kind of talking about things of that energy, right? So after doing those readings, and um, it's just a tool. I used several pieces of information to get to the point where intuitively I went, I don't think he and I are love match. I don't think there's much to pursue, but acquaintance here. Um, I kept getting this kind of, I couldn't dial it in. I couldn't dial the static in. I kept getting these mixed cards and the cards that you don't want to get in a love reading. No. So I was like, whoa, you know, and I just remember there were these moments of passion where I felt like maybe it could happen. Maybe I can find that person that 
it's like home. It's easy. It's true. It's comfortable. It's um, joyful. It's simple. You know, these types of things that we yearn for and crave for when we're going to share that sacred part of ourselves, you know, and beautiful and sexual and inspiring and stimulating and growing. These are the things, right? So using your discernment, I've given you about three or four different references for different um, disciplines and the way they look at discernment. And I've also incorporated here with the tarot another perspective on interpreting and including biblical references and including biblical imagery. And the judgment card that I just talked about is much like, you know, uh, what is it in the Bible? I guess the day of reckoning or the, the ascension. What's that song my mama used to sing? Sing hallelujah, come on, get happy. That was like a nice 1940s song. Mama used to sing that song. And I ended up singing that song and I sit there and go, what are the lyrics there? You know, I don't know about that. So another one of those is, um, we're in the money, we're in the money. That one. If you study where that came from and how it was written, that was right around 1920s and 30s, Depression era, United States. So... Uh, the true meaning or the, rep the representation of that in that um, artwork and that piece is of slander or not slander, um, false representation, you know? So it's kind of like, here's a party, look over here, but it's not the truth. See, right? I'm using my discernment today. I like to sit and meditate and think about this shit. Sometimes I come here and talk about it. I'm real grateful that you listen now and again, if you're listening. Um, one of the great privileges of doing this podcast is, because I'm not advertising it or telling anybody about it, it may or may not be growing the best that it could, but um, I get to do whatever the hell I want. <laughs> you know how freeing it is to not have to worry about a sponsorship or some type of funding agency or about, you know, a bunch of Patreons who are telling me, I don't know if I, you're not popular anymore. I don't like it. You know, it's, it's kind of, or, or maybe I do like it and here's some more money. That's nice too. Um, Anyway, I'm so grateful for you today, and thank you for giving me a place to knock around some of these thoughts. It makes me feel better, you know, and um, I trust that you're using your discernment and finding sources of uh, replenishment and recharging and co-creation with others, right? Thanks for coming to the house on Valencia Street. It's been a good visit with you. I've been having a good time. I hope you have, too. Um, please know that here at the house on Valencia Street, um, you're never alone. You ain't gonna be alone. Sometimes it's whether you like it or not. Mm.